0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, PFF's maybe not so bold predictions, no real surprise, and Ronnie's year in perspective. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at jmch316 so i've been kind of waiting for this article from pro football focus because they were going around to each of the divisions across the afc and nfc and offering up every team's three bold predictions right and i was waiting for the nfc south to pop up and and see what they had uh, in store for it and uh lo and behold yesterday the nfc south popped up and again the atlanta falcons listed uh, in here. So here's the three bold predictions. Okay. And I don't know how bold that these are, but the three bold predictions from pro football focus for the Atlanta Falcons this year. Number one is B. John Robinson leads the league in rushing as a rookie. The Atlanta Falcons uh, lean on the run more than any other team. And it's behind an offensive line that can dominate on the ground. Four different running backs a season ago, average at least 4.8 yards per carry, but the Falcons still drafted Bijan Robinson because of his special potential. Robinson set a PFF record with 104 broken tackles last season and was hailed as the best running back prospect in the draft since Adrian Peterson. He also looked like a major factor in the passing game from glimpses at training camp in the preseason. He could have a special season. Okay, so... And I know this has been brought up before by Pro Football and, and Pro Pro Football Focus, if you don't know, they have their guys that they love. They love Drake London, they love Kyle Pitts, they love Bijan Robinson. All right. Could B. John Robinson lead the league in rushing? Maybe. I don't know that he'll get enough carries. And I'm not saying that in a demeaning way, but you have a thousand yard running back that's available at your disposal. And Arthur Smith has talked about the positionless football. We're gonna see B. John Robinson all over the place. You know, he may catch a little swing pass that goes for 15 yards. That's a reception, not a run. You know, I don't think Bijan Robinson is going to get enough opportunities to just line up in the backfield and run the football straight ahead. He'll be featured a ton in the passing game. Yes, he'll get a chance to run the football. Algier will as well. Cordero Patterson will as well. I don't think that with a three-headed monster of running backs that it lends itself to leading the league in rushing. And like I said, that's not a knock. I mean, I, I do think that, look, the more bold prediction would be that Algier and Bijan Robinson run for 1,000 yards a beat. See, that's a bold prediction. That's more bold. I, I, I can see that happening, which has happened very few times in the NFL. The Falcons have done it one time when they had their quarterback in, one of the running backs do it with, with Michael Vick and work done. But I think that there's two guys that could run for a thousand yards in this offense. And I think Bijan and Algier could end up averaging that. So the bold prediction would be to say that two guys are going to run for a thousand yards coming off of the season that, that Algier had. So again, could he, uh eh, I, I, I think that's very highly unlikely. Yes. It's bold in the sense that, Oh, that's just, you know, again, big prediction. But again, if if, Al, if Robinson leads the league in rushing, I mean, don't we have to have those kinds of things? I mean, when we draft a guy where we draft a guy, we, we have to start having those kinds of expectations that they're bona fide, legitimate superstar players. So, again, I, I don't think that's such a bold prediction, but OK, I mean, I'll, I'll go with that. All right. Second part. Falcons are the only team in the NFL to run more than pass. <sighs> With Desmond Ritter uh, installed as the starter and the aforementioned Bijan Robinson in the backfield, they have the Falcons have no incentive to back off their statuses. The NFL's run heaviest offense, in fact, leaning on that as an identity may play in a league that has been trending ever more pass happy for years. Falcons are the only team in the league to call runs more often than pass last season, blah, 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 blah. blah. Okay, so that's not so bold. Right. I mean, again, that's what they just did last year, right? With the highest percentage of run calling, you know, teams and stuff like that. I mean, again, we had more running yards from non-quarterbacks than anybody in the NFL. Look, I do think this, though, that this team is going to start finding itself to be a little bit more balanced. I do think that we will kind of trend with Desmond Ritter more toward throwing the football at at a higher rate than what we had under Marcus Mariota. Why? Because Marcus Mariota was not a good quarterback and he was a turnover machine. I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to be a turnover machine. Now, do I think they're going to ask him to throw it 40 times a game? No, of course not. We all know that. But will they take some chances with Desmond Ritter that they probably didn't take with with, uh, Marcus Mariota? I definitely think that that's possible. And I don't mean hucking it downfield on first down. I mean, talking about allowing Desmond Ritter to help them win a football game. They didn't allow, by and large, Marcus Mariota to win football games. He lost us plenty, but they didn't ask him to win a whole lot. And again, I'm not saying week to week to week. As his confidence and ability grows every single week, I think that by the time we get toward the end of the season and he rounds into form, that we'll see Desmond Ritter being allowed to help win us more football games than probably at the start of the season. We lean heavily on our run game at the very start of the season, play good defense, keep teams down. But as the year goes along, if we're going to be that, look, if we're talking about being one of these dynamic offenses, you have to throw the football. The NFL game is stand in the pocket and push the football downfield. It's no mystery what the NFL game is. You have to be able to push the football downfield. Complement the passing game with a legitimate run game. Now we kind of flipped that script, but still, you you are, you have to be able to push the football down the field. And we have all these pass catchers that have to have big impacts. So again, I, you know, that, that that's no bold prediction. I mean, in in terms of all of that, I mean, are we going to run more? Yeah, I mean, we just did that last year. So, anyway, another not-so-bold prediction. All right, then the final one is Arnold Ebicady leads the team in total pressures. Not all good players hit the ground running in the NFL. Some still develop at more traditional pace with significant jumps in year two and three. Arnold Ebicady played more than 500 snaps for the Falcons in his rookie season, but the defense was bad and underwhelming, uh, and and he was underwhelming as a pass rusher. He has been an excellent excellent preseason, has all the tools to improve, in a big way this year. Not to mention the more help around him. Last season, Grady Jarrett led the team with 45 total pressures, but Ebbet Katie has 50 total, uh, 50 pressure potential. Well, this is not so bold. I mean, again, I, i've I've been on, I've been on podcasting and radio for months now talking about this. The guy who has to step up the most, if we're going to get to where we need to be, is Arnold Ebbet I So. Talking about Katie leading us in pressures, I mean he's your only sure thing on the outside that you feel like you can count on to help us try to you know get the number of sacks that we need. This is not so bold. Like I, again, if our if if Ebicati falls on his face, we're not going to get to where we need defensively. You can tell me about Grady and Onyemata, and you can tell me about Clay's Campbell, and you can tell me about our secondary and all this kind of stuff but we have to have that fire breather coming off the edge. I don't understand what is so difficult about this. What does everybody not understand? You have to have one of those guys in the league. If you're going to be a top-tier defense or a a Super Bowl contending defense or a playoff contending defense, you have to have one of those guys. You can't have – I mean, with all due respect, teams don't have 15 guys that get five sacks. You're not going to have all of that. You still have to have the Javon Hargraves that give you 10 or 12, 14 sacks. You still have to have Hassan Riddick that gives you 10 or 11 sacks. You have to have those double-digit guys because you're not going to have eight guys that give you seven sacks or whatever. Like, that's not going to be reality. That's not what happens in the NFL. You have to have those fire breathers come off the edge. Can Katie be that? I hope so. I I hope that he can be one of those kinds of guys, but that has yet to be proven. Yes, he has played well in the preseason. He also played really well in his first preseason game when he was going up against second and third teamers, guys who probably aren't going to be in the league to start with. But again, it's a good sign that he dominated those guys because if he couldn't dominate those guys, How's he gonna dominate first team? How's he gonna if he can't dominate third tackles on the Miami Dolphins? How the heck is he gonna dominate Trent Williams? See what I mean? We have to have that fire breather coming off the edge. So, again, that's not a bold prediction. I, I just I shake my head. He better that that would be my end, He better lead us, he better be able to step up. He better come uh, accumulate five times as many sacks as the two that he had last year. We have to have these guys start stepping up. It's not just Desmond Ritter. We have to have all of these guys come together and step up. You think you're going to just roll the ball out there and win 10 games just because our offense or, you know, we have some better personnel. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. We have to have everybody step up and play better. Not just one guy here, one guy there. Everybody, the Ebicadies and the Kyle Pitts and the Drake Londons and everybody of the world that has to be better for us this coming year. So, again, not so bold predictions, but anyway, that's kind of pro football focus sometimes uh, for you. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And listen, as NFL season is almost here and we're through the preseason now, FanDuel has got an incredible offer for you as far as betting in the NFL with America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Yes, I said that right. $5 bet gets you $200 in bonus bets guaranteed if you're a new customer. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off Sunday, NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube or YouTube TV. $100 off. NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. It's super easy to use the app and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and kick off the NFL season with an offer that you will not want to miss. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. So, No real surprise that we saw Jalen Mayfield get cut over the weekend. And, of course, the Falcons are trying to get to their 53-man roster. We saw actually a few, Justin Ellis and a few other guys that were cut over the weekend. No real surprise. I mean, again, Jalen Mayfield was a guy who I thought he did some good things in the preseason when he was asked to go north and south and, and run block. But you saw, even against Pittsburgh, you know, in that final game, when he was asked to pass block and got lost and he got confused and just things did not work out well, you know, he was run around inside, outside, just again, it's just not happening. And, you know, now we look at the first draft from the uh, Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot regime, and you start looking through the players that are left from that first draft that, that they had. And, you know, again, it it starts getting a little bit thin. I mean, you know, the, the reality, I mean, look, this whole draft class is based upon Kyle Pitts and Richie Grant because Jalen Mayfield is obviously gone. Um, You know, Frank Darby's nothing. Avery Williams is hurt. Adi Ogun is out for the year, but he's done nothing. Taekwond Graham is, you know, okay. I mean, you know, he's gonna be in the rotation. Dolman, you know, we'll see. I mean, again, this will be a big year for Drew Dolman to see if he can do something. And then Darren Hall, I mean, okay. I mean, it's it is what it is. I mean, this draft class really falls on Pitts and Grant right now at this, you know, at this this situation. Now, again, we talked about this on Friday. I am gonna be interested to see what the Falcons do coming up once all these guys are dumped out on the street. And they are already, we're already seeing guys that are trickling that are being cut. You know, right now we're already seeing guys that are being, you know, cut from other teams. I am going to be very curious to see if, okay, we're losing Mayfield and some of these guys that, you know, are they going out and try to find us another offensive line? Are they trying to find us whether a trade or what have you, you know, more than just, Hey, this guy was cut off a roster because he was no good. Let's bring him in. No, I mean, I'm talking about legitimately trying to make a trade for a guy. Because say what you will about Mayfield, but he is a third-round pick. And you felt like, okay, can we get something out of him? Even if it was a, a swing tackle or a backup offensive lineman, can we get something out of him? And they looked at it and said, eh, we can't get anything out of him. And, and Arthur Smith talked about the idea of, you know, he talked about the idea that, Hey, we, we have to do what's best for our football team. And and I've got no problem with, with cutting Jalen Mayfield. Again, I, I, I I can't say as I'm overly surprised by it, but it is a third round pick that, you know, in year three, and in given the fact that it's been mostly injuries, uh, that's not, that's not necessarily a good sign. So again, no surprise that he is cut, you know, from the team, but if you, if you, you have to find somebody to help out Bergeron. I, I, I just, I am scared about the idea of Matthew Bergeron and Drew Dahlman lining up side by side at that young age, and especially Bergeron having never played the position. I mean, that's the position that Mayfield was thrown in a couple of years ago. Our starter went down and Mayfield playing out of position was pressed in the action. Now, the, the, the difference is with Mayfield, Mayfield was playing tackle through the preseason that year before he had to play guard. But anyway, (coughs) excuse me. Um, But Bergeron has been at least working with our offense and playing guard the whole time. So it's not like he's been out of tackle and then now all of a sudden being thrust into guard. He's been working at guard the entire time and in the preseason. So at least he had some reps and experience there. But still, you're talking about a guy that, just made his first snaps at left guard in the senior bowl. And I'll say this again, you know, you all think that it's beer league softball out there that again, my third baseman got hurt and, I, and I'll pull my center fielder in to play third base and everything will be fine. And we'll go out for beers and wings afterward. doesn't work like that in the NFL. I, I don't even care if it's one spot over as far as responsibility goes, like there's a lot to learn from tackle to guard even. Yes, guy, yes, Bruce Matthews did it. After he played 15 years in the NFL, then he could move different positions, right? Again, he knew everything there was to know about it. This guy's a rookie, never never having played there. So again, I want to see Terry Fontenot go out and make a deal and figure out what he needs to do to make sure that we don't end up stub on our toe at left guard. I have confidence in Matthew Bergeron, but I also You know, no, I need a backup plan. I've seen this before. And again, I don't want that position to be any kind of downfall or any kind of stumbling block for us achieving what our ultimate goals are. So no surprise that Mayfield has been cut. Now let's see what Terry Fontenot's next move is to kind of help out his rookie that's being plugged into service because of Hennessy's injury you know, and now no kind of backup plan in place for them. All right, as you listen in to hitting Hard, make sure you go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the show. So we do thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. Let us know that you're an everydayer, as we like to say, and you're listening in five days a week to the program. So... Just to give you an idea of Ronald's year in perspective, okay? And, and Ronnie struggled last night. He was 0-4 for 4 last night. Braves did lose um, last night uh, to the San Francisco Giants, but they did win two out of three, so all good uh, there. Um, but Ronnie certainly has been the MVP of the league thus far, right? But just to give you some idea of what his season is looking like from a historical perspective, okay? And look, Ronnie's been fabulous. 28 homers, 74 RBI, 115 runs scored already, 59 steals, 330 batting average with a 413 on base, 562 slugging. Okay, Now, at the current pace that he is on, with 129 games played thus far, at the current pace that he is on, right now, if Ronald Cunha finished the year, he would have the most runs scored in the modern era for an Atlanta Brave with 145. He's pacing at 145. Dale Murphy holds the record. I believe it was in 82 or 83. So he's pacing at that kind of level where he's going to be the all-time leader. He's also pacing with 74 stolen bases to be the, and again, we're, we're talking all modern day records. We're not talking Hugh Duffy in 1894, Okay. These are all 20th century and beyond records. So Murphy's got the runs scored record for the Atlanta Braves with uh, I think it was 130-some-odd 100 runs scored in, in 83 or what have you. But Ronnie's on pace to blow that, uh, blow that number out of the water. But he's also on pace when you look at the idea of having 74 stolen bases, which would also put him first overall. Now, Otis Nixon has the modern-day record. And by the way, um, Murphy's number in 83 was 131. So he's on pace to blow right past um, all of that. But Otis Nixon has the modern-day stolen base record with 72 in 1991. Ronnie's on pace to break that record as well. He's also on pace for a top-20 season as far as highest batting average in a season and highest on base percentage in a season. So both of those would be top 20 individual marks all time for the Braves franchise. Also, too, the 216 hits that he's on pace for would be the fifth highest total. Now, think about the fact that, again, we've had Eddie Matthews, Chipper Jones, Hank Aaron, Ralph Gar you know, who was a hit and machine in the early, mid-70s. You know, we, we've had these individual big-time performances. You know, Davey Johnson had 40 homers at second base in 1973. But when you look, Ronnie's on pace to have the highest number of runs scored, highest number of stolen bases, top 20 batting average, top 20 on-base percentage, and the fifth most hits. Those are all, I mean, when you combine all of those things, together and again he's on pace to you know at least be 30 30 and if he can you know find a way to get to 40 40 I mean you know he he would be the first Braves player ever to get to 40 40 so again this whole season for Ronald has been remarkable even when you look at historically the seasons that and I've brought this up before is that is Ronnie having the best season for an outfielder in Braves history and again, we've seen we've seen Gary Sheffield and Chipper Jones have monster seasons in the outfield. We've seen obviously, you know, again, Hank Aaron is a guy who's the gold standard for seasons in the outfield. And, you know, again, there's there's all of these numbers that you look at that Ronnie is, historically speaking, you know, ab- about to shatter some records and, you know, be one of the top seasons of all time. So. Again, I know how good Freddie Freeman has been. I know how good Mookie Betts has been. But even when you look at from a historical perspective, how good Ronald Acuna's junior season has been, and then you factor in all of the numbers that he's currently playing with, right, that I, I think he's the MVP of the league. And I will tell you, I mean, you could make a case that he's having the best season by a Braves outfielder in history, in franchise history. Now, that's a bold statement. We talk about pro football focuses, bold predictions and things like that. That's a bold statement that Romney may be having the best season by a Braves outfielder in history. He's been that good. And he's been, and and again, everything has amped itself up. And I I think he's playing with a, I, I think the whole stolen base thing with him being able to just run wild. I think that's lifted him up overall. Like, I think that that has brought his game up that, you know, we know Ronnie wants to play with some reckless abandon. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I just, you know, he wants to he wants to go all out and he wants to play with some reckless abandon in there. Now this idea of, you know, the base is bigger and, you know, creating more chances and things like that for steals. Like, I think all of this stuff has just kind of raised his game up and allows him to play with a more youthful vigor in all of this. So, I besides being just the MVP of the league, I think Ronnie's having maybe the best season ever for a Braves outfielder and when you look from a historical perspective, you know, he may set the franchise record in runs and stolen bases, top 5 in hits, top 20 in on-base and batting average. Like those are big-time numbers. And maybe if he can find a way, maybe be the first guy that ever has a 40-40 season for the Braves. So all around, everything Ronnie is doing has been a remarkable season. But with even, even within the Braves context, it's been a remarkable year for Ronnie. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen in on that you're an everyday listener to the program so we thank you so much for being a part of our community and being a part of the show but let us know you're in every day you're listening in five days a week we ask that a subscriber follow for free on youtube or wherever you listen to your podcast get the latest episodes of hitting hard as soon as they become available also check us out on the SiriusXM xm app and give me a follow on my personal twitter page at jmch316 back with you tomorrow as it is cut day tomorrow uh, this has been hitting hard with John Chuckery, locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.